Today on Power Tips Unscripted, we talk to Daniel Post Senning, co-host of the Awesome Etiquette podcast of the Family Post Institute. You know, many of our members deal with affluent clients, very affluent. Problem is, these clients tend to have certain expectations when it comes to behavior. Daniel's here to share some of the finer points of etiquette in business when dealing with these clients, and we'll hear all about it in just a minute. Come on! You just mind your P's and Q's, Buster, and remember who you're dealing with. How about a fresco? Hi, I'm Victoria Downing, and welcome to Power Tips Unscripted, where we talk about tips, tactics, and techniques to help you build a strong, profitable remodeling company. And I'm here with my co-host, Mark Harari. Howdy ho. How are you doing over there, Mark? I'm great. How are you? Good. You know, I'm excited about today because, you know, so many of our great ideas that we're able to implement come from our members. And this one comes from our roundtable member, Addie Merrick. She wrote me an email the other day and said, I've got some ideas for podcast topics. <laughs> so she had a great list and top of the list was exactly what you were just talking about. Etiquette and behavior and expectations of our affluent clientele. And in fact, any clientele. Yeah, that's true. So it's, it's very uh, stressful to say the least. Right. Sometimes just going out to dinner, we go to some events sometimes and it, there's like a, a dinner and you walk in and think, uh, you know, which which plate is mine? Which right. which fork? Which fork do I touch? You know? Yes, exactly. Just all that crazy yeah. stuff. Now, so our guest is steeped in this stuff because he is the great great grandson of Emily Post herself. <laughs> so, cool. man, talk about expectations! Right? Ooh, the pressure. I know. So let's get started, shall we? Yes, please. As I said, or as, as Mark introduced before, uh, our guest today is Daniel Post-Senning from the Emily Post Institute, author and co-host of the Awesome Etiquette Podcast. And he was just more than willing to jump on here and help us answer a couple of Addie Merrick's questions. So welcome, Daniel. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's good to be here. Oh, yeah, we're delighted. You know, I mean, this is something that you know we know is important, sort of. Sort of we think it's important, but we don't know a lot of the details. But why is it important? Well, I, I was delighted to hear your your introduction where you talked about social expectations and behavior, because a, a word like etiquette can be a little intimidating for some people. For some people, it can be very comforting, but precisely because for some people it can cause anxiety and stress. And for other people, it can remind them of their mother or something <laughs> they really care about. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's really good to to establish the ground that we're standing on. And ultimately, I think of etiquette as the social expectations that we have of ourselves or of other people. And ultimately, what is more important than how we connect to and relate to other people? That mm-hmm. When people ask me, why does etiquette matter? I like to say, well, think about the people in your life that matter. And etiquette is how your behavior impacts them, how their behavior impacts you and what we expect of each other. So do we live the lives that we want to live? I think thinking about our behavior and how we can adjust, modify, and 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 look for behaviors in ourselves that generate the best possible relationships, that's good etiquette. And one of the oldest cliches in the world is that business is built on relationships, that ultimately, no matter what work you do, no matter what kind of work and in what industry at what level, it's dependent on other people and how you connect to and communicate with other people. So, business etiquette, professional relationships is something that's really, really important. So two things sort of, first of all, what does etiquette encompass? 
I mean, you talked about behaviors, but there's a lot of, I think, of very specific things like Mark had mentioned, you know, which fork do you use, that sort of thing. But what yeah. all's in, under that umbrella? So we have a little formula that we use at the Emily Post Institute. We say etiquette is a combination of manners and principles. And the manners are what a lot of people think about. Those are the rules, the specific expectations you have in a certain circumstance or situation. So what fork do I use when the table is set like this? Do I offer to hold a door for someone? Those very specific moments are oftentimes the first thing that comes to people's minds when they think about etiquette. But the principles are also important. What do we use to guide our behavior when manners are in conflict or we don't know a manner or we're in a situation where our relationships become difficult or strained? And there's still a question of what's the right thing to do in those situations when there's not a particular rule that you can point to. What if you go to a restaurant that doesn't set a table with knives and forks? Is, is it rude then to eat food with your fingers? No, the, the manner changes. The principles are timeless and eternal consideration, respect, and honesty that you think about other people, that you recognize their worth and value, and that you both conduct yourself with a standard of of truth and trustworthiness, but also of with sincerity and honesty so that you're doing things that, that, that are true to you. Um, So consideration, respect, and honesty to guide your behavior. And ultimately those should be the values that any of those sets of rules that are more specific to time and place Um, should illustrate or should be demonstrating. So someone could be honest and and acting with respect, but have poor manners. It it, it could happen. And frankly, usually those are forgivable mistakes. Usually if you have um, people of integrity and goodwill on both sides of the equation, if someone misses a manners expectation because they're unfamiliar with it or just don't know it, that's usually a forgivable mistake. The harder mistakes to forgive, the harder um, challenges to overcome or when you're demonstrating lack of care for others or lack of respect for others or, or behaving in a way that's dishonest or untruthful. Those are much more difficult mistakes to recover from than right. a, a basic manners mistake. But are the manners is the is the manners piece of it important to business people. And how do you know, or how do you learn how to act? And, and well, it's such a great question. The the, the manners can be a shorthand. They can be a shortcut to getting to consideration, respect, and honesty. And ultimately a, a good system of manners, a good system of expectations is about showing consideration, respect, and honesty. It's a, it's a language between people that are familiar with it. And you don't ever want it to replace those other things, but right. it, it can help. I, I tell people in the sciences, they have this great expression. They say, we stand on the shoulders of giants. You don't have to rediscover the ideal gas law. They can teach that to somebody in high school chemistry, and then they can use it moving forward. And the same is true for things within human expectations, like the function of gratitude. An important piece of etiquette advice is to thank people well. That's oftentimes a good way to part company with someone, or particularly if you've been doing business with someone, you thank them. Mm -hmm. And that's not something everyone needs to rediscover for themselves. That's an Mm -hmm. expectation that's built up over generations and been reinforced that it's, it's proven itself out the way the ideal gas law has proved itself out. Thank people, thank them well, invest in that moment. And, and it will pay social dividends. It will pay rewards. So the, the manners aren't unimportant. It's not that you can just skip over them or ignore them. Um, they're they're an important language unto themselves. They're part of that etiquette equation. What seems to me is that there's a lot of there's going to be some overlap. It's not hard fast lines, right? Uh, rules and and manners and respect. Because 
the first thing that popped in my head when when you were describing these these different sets is uh, when you're at dinner and it's a large party, say six, 10, 12, 14 people and three, five people get served and other people are sitting around waiting and somebody starts to just chomp on their plate. And that's something that goes through me because I'm like, wait till everybody's served, man. And so that's to me a rule, but it's also a lack of respect. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm just kind of there, there's 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 a gray area there in there. There is a lot of gray area in etiquette. And I'd like to remind people it's a moving target um, that the, the old manners lose their utility, fall out of fashion, new manners reemerge. If you ask people that they think that manners are in a state of decline, something like 70 percent of people are going to say yes. But I'll tell you a little secret from a family that's been in this business for five <laughs> generations. Every generation perceives this to be true. Every generation <laughs> witnesses the changes that occur in manners over a lifetime and thinks that we're just falling into into social chaos. And the, the really good news is that each generation figures out what works for it and renews these traditions in ways that are significant and meaningful. Now, let's talk about something specific because you brought up a very particular scenario. What do you do when 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 food is being served? It's one of the most important social rituals that we participate in. It's it's really um, it's one of the ways that we establish connection with other people, and it's it's ancient. We've been sharing food and organizing social structures and hierarchies around how we share food for thousands of years. They call it the pecking order for a reason. It's who gets what <laughs> food, when, and how. And the, the the question of when do you start? So let's start with the, the, the basic rule. If I were to give just a shorthand, one sentence answer, I'd say you wait for everybody to be served. It shows respect to everybody involved. The, the finer detail is that the same table, the same meal, the same place setting, you might have different social expectations based on the role you're playing at that dinner. As a guest, I would not touch my silverware until either the host had joined us at the table and had indicated that the meal's about to begin or everyone had been served and other people were already eating. As a host, I might say once three people have been served, please don't let it get cold. It's going to take a little while to complete the service. Get started. Tuck in. Enjoy it. There, it would be pointless to let that get cold in front of you. The the, the manner is, is somewhat flexible, although you got to know the rule to know how and when to deviate from it appropriately and without showing disrespect. I will tell you that at the post family gatherings, we have a standing rule that once three people have been served, you begin. <laughs> and, and oftentimes it's big family buffet service. And, you know, once you've got a couple of people with you and you've got that hot plate of food, go ahead and get started. And, and um, that's the way we enjoy it. I was excited when I saw the Kingsman and he was going over royal etiquette and it was actually Kingsman too. And it was, no, never let food get cold. Always start once three people have been served. So. Oh, wow. Interesting. So so I want to jump on that because it's a it's a sticking point for me, because I feel like it was a great, great, uh, great example of the host is going to say, oh, please don't wait. Go ahead and get started. Right now. Is would it be considered rude if someone refuses to go ahead and get started? Because to me, I feel like okay, the host has just asked me to start eating. So now if I don't, right. And, and that, that has come up socially. I've seen people still not eat. And then I kind of feel like, okay, well now you're being rude to the host because they explicitly gave you permission. So what, what's the, what are the rules in that scenario? I I am going to balance respect for my host with self-respect. And (laughs) if I feel like that, that dispense, coming from the host is something that I just, I, I, I can't do. My, 
I'm like you. My mother has said, no, you do not start eating until everyone's been served. I know the food's coming. I acknowledge, I don't ignore the host. I, I would say something to them like, thank you so much for offering. My mother would just never, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I can feel my mother's ears burning somewhere, please. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pause for a minute. I'm sure everybody will be served shortly. Right. Um, if they insisted, I wouldn't get into a dispute over it, but I, 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 I might acknowledge the dispensation and politely decline it first pass them. And I would think about the nature and the formality of the event. I mm-hmm. would really think about the situation that I'm in. If this is um, a business dinner where oftentimes we apply a more formal standard, I'm mm-hmm. going to hew a little more closely to those formal expectations. If I'm joining someone at their home and it's a dinner party that's been reciprocated several times, we're getting together in the evening, I'm much more likely to, to um, enjoy that first bite of hot food before it gets cold. Hey folks, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you've likely heard me refer to our Roundtables Peer Group Program. We have a bunch of our members on the podcast in the past and I'll just try to give them a shout out. Now, if you're not familiar with Roundtables, it is the industry's largest peer group program and we've been hosting them and the peer groups for over 30 years. We bring together groups of 10 to 12 business owners from non-competing markets to share strategies, to share experiences, to help one another build action plans to drive the results of each of these companies forward in a way that I've never seen before. We know that you can be successful on your own, but by working with roundtables and a group of your motivated peers, you can cut your progress time in half. There's just nothing like it. Why be alone? Why figure this stuff out all by yourself when you can figure it out with a group of people who know exactly how your business works, what your challenges are, and will share how they overcame each of these. We'd love to have you join us. If you want to learn more about this, visit our website at remodelersadvantage.com or talk to Steve Wheeler at steve at remodelersadvantage.com and he can give you more information about the program. Seats are limited because they have to be non-competing markets. So call today and get to be part of this incredible community of generous, smart, savvy, motivated remodeling company owners. Okay, I want to continue on the path of manners for a bit um, because I want to just have you give us some of those shortcuts for knowing what the heck's going on, because again, you're sitting at a table with 12 people and three of them take the wrong water glass and it comes around and you know which water glass is supposed to be yours, but the order's all messed up and what do you do? Um, <laughs> so first of all, uh, th- th- this is oftentimes a question in our dining etiquette seminars, right? You, you uh-huh. have, o- oftentimes comes up at weddings where you're at rounds and trying to yes. pack people in, they're trying to get as many heads into the venue as is allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, two of the, the sort of most fun uh, pieces of etiquette to teach from table manners, which is one of the most durable sets of manners we have. The manners described in the 22, 1922 edition of etiquette look very similar oh. to the manners in the centennial edition. In <laughs> so you can kind of count on these. They're, they're likely to stick around. Um, setting the table, navigating the place setting, two of the simplest tricks I can teach people. One is the classic. It's the B and D trick. And if you take your two hands and you take your thumb and your pointer finger and you make a circle, you take your other three fingers, put them together and point them straight up in the air. If you're looking at your hands, you should be looking at a lowercase b and a lowercase d. 
That lowercase b is the side of your plate, the left-hand side that your bread plate is going to sit on, and the d is for your drink. On the right-hand side, that's the side of your plate that you'll find your water glass or your other glasses or beverages. So what Good do you trick. do if someone's taken yours? Because you know this trick, but the person next to you doesn't. <laughs> you could ask them to swap and teach them this cool trick you learned on a funky podcast you listen to, or... <laughs> You could get your server's attention and ask for a fresh bread plate or water glass because mm-hmm. you know that yours is no longer available. Um, sometimes that effect cascades down the table. It's not yes. repairable within arm's reach. Uh, <laughs> what you don't do is scold the person next to you for being ignorant and not knowing what they're doing or for taking <laughs> what is yours. Um, <laughs> All right. That's good. Uh, second tip, though. Can I give you one more? Yes. Tip? I, I was a little dyslexic growing up. I had trouble with my rights and my lefts. And I didn't really learn how to set a table till I started teaching etiquette in my thirties. And if you can remember how to spell the word fork, you can remember how to set the utensils in the correct order. So if you spell the word fork on the place setting in front of you, F is for forks, those come first and those go over on the left. Then is the O that could represent the plate that sits in the middle of your place setting. And then the RKS is for to the right come the knives and spoons in that order. So wow. now to the right of the plate, you set your knives down, blades facing in towards the center of the plate, mm-hmm. spoons on the outside. And now you've set your place setting correctly, in quotation marks, the way that most people who are right-hand dominant are going to pick up and use those utensils. Okay. That's... The, it, it's a great one. I love teaching people because so often today for a casual business lunch, you're going to find yourself at a table where they hand you the flatware wrapped up in a napkin or place yes. it on the table. More and more restaurants are expecting you to set your own place setting. Mm-hmm. And if you know that at that moment, you can unwrap your flatware, put your napkin in your lap and set your fork, knives and spoons in that order from left to right with the plate in the middle, you're going to be in pretty good shape. Okay. I had a different question, but just to follow up on that, one last question for the, for the knife, is the serrated edge facing in or out towards in, the plate? Towards the in, plate. Towards the plate. Okay, great. You can think of it as a safety issue. If you were picking up that spoon, you wouldn't want to tip of your finger, but it's it's got a a historical origin. The less you held your knife at the table when you weren't using it, the more refined your manners. So you set your knife down if you're not actively using it to cut. When you set it down, you point the blade towards yourself. And you mm-hmm. do the same thing when you set the the knife at the table. So it's a, a less aggressive setting. It's a um, it sort of is a nod to the thousands of years ago when that knife doubled as a weapon was something you brought to the table with you. Right. You know, I don't want to move off the place setting thing quite yet. Okay. So if you're going to go in a different direction, I, was, so I got okay. one more question. All right. So I always <laughs> when I was being brought up. We would set the napkin down, fold it in a nice little rectangle, and I'd put the fork on top of it. And I was relatively recently, last couple of years, told, no, 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 you do not put your fork on top of the napkin. A more formal place setting, you're probably going to put that napkin to the outside of the fork. But for informal, casual dining, you oftentimes will also, for space concerns, set the fork on top of the napkin. There's nothing inherently wrong with it. But as we're upping our formality, as we're notching up more and more, you might take that napkin out from under the fork, move it to the left-hand side. Okay, one more place setting one, and then I'm going to move on. Okay. All right, so here's another little thing. Do you have that a party I, coming up I don't know about? Yeah, really, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, your 10-year anniversary party, Mark. Um, so when you're getting, you're getting ready, let's say something happens and you have to get up from your place, but you're not done with your food. Where do you put your napkin? The little mnemonic for remembering is LL, loosely to the left. And okay. 
uh, uh, sort of smooth it out into a nice shape and lay it right back down where you found it. There's no need to refold it, but whether you're returning to the table or at the end of the meal, the best place to put your napkin down if you're going to stand up and leave the table is to the left of your place setting. Now, this is a house of style question. There are some etiquette experts or consultants that will tell you if you're going to return to the table, you want to leave that napkin on your chair, on the back of your chair or your seat. It is not a signal that servers are looking for that you're returning to the table. That is a, a good way to take that dirty napkin that sometimes has bits of food on it and put that into your chair or onto your clothes. And <laughs> really, okay. the, the tablecloth on the table that's designed to be laundered, that's where you want to keep the mess. That's where you want to keep well, things okay. that you've been using. To that clean makes sense. The signal that a server is looking for that you've finished with a course, that you're not going to be picking up your utensils again and continuing to eat is where you put your utensils down. And if your utensils are set down on the plate with the handles pointing away from each other, then it's assumed by your host or the server that you are going to pick those utensils up and continue to eat at some point. When you're finished with a course, you're going to take those two handles, move them together and point them to about what would be the four if your plate was the face of a clock. And when those handles come together at that four o'clock position, that's the indication that you're not going to pick them up again and continue to eat at some point. Your server knows that they can clear at that point. Your host, who's keeping track of where people are in the course of their dining, knows mm -hmm. that you're finished with that course as well. Perfect. Perfect. Now you. Okay. So all this stuff is great, especially for our roundtables members, so they know how to behave at their at their evening dinners and at the touch treat dinners, right? <laughs> yeah. But I want to talk a little bit. Let's move to uh, a more etiquette rules and engagement for our members who are often going to the homeowner's house, somebody that they just met. What are the things, you know, like first thing comes to my mind is, you know, shoes on and off and stuff like that. I mean, I don't know any kinds of things we can talk about in that respect. I mean, you, you, you want to jump right to the most difficult, subtlest <laughs> question about people doing work at someone's home. Um, also, one of the hottest topics for dinner parties, shoes on or off. Um, mm, yes. Before we get there, though, I want to give the best piece of business advice that I can give. And it's it's at the top of our top 10 business etiquette tips when I'm talking to CEOs or when I'm talking to sales teams or when I'm talking to service staff. And that's about the importance of timeliness, that you want to be on time, that showing uh. up at the time that you You've scheduled the appointment, not 10 minutes early, where you start to become a burden on people that you're a, a little early, five minutes early, as much as 10, but you don't really want to start to intrude on someone that much earlier, particularly if you're coming to their home where there might not be, uh, there might not be a system in place where there, it's easy for you to wait while they get ready or till the actual appointment time begins. So really shooting for timeliness, if you're going to be late at all, letting people know and communicating that as soon and, um, as efficiently and, and, and through as many channels as you need to, as possible to get the message to them. I think it's the best piece of etiquette advice that I can give about uh -huh. that, that first home engagement is be on time. Um, second of all, that you introduce yourself. I know who I am. I know where I'm from. I know what I'm doing. Hi, I'm Dan Post-Senning from the Emily Post Institute. It's a pleasure to meet you. I'm so glad to be here this morning. Um, uh, thank you for setting up this time with me. Um, you communicate a lot. People will judge you based on things that you don't have a lot of control over, how tall you are, how symmetrical your face is, <laughs> um, and resting some control of that first impression. Having some clarity about who you are, what you're about, and what you're there to do is a, a really important way to seize some control of that, that first impression and, and craft it in a way that serves you and your business and the work that you want to do. Having done all those things well really sets you up to ask that question, oh, should I take my shoes off as one where 
you can navigate the subtleties of that interaction with some mutual goodwill and respect because you've already started off on the right foot. Oh, no, please leave them on. We're just heading into the kitchen for a minute or, oh, no, that would be great. We're going to be walking over two flights of carpeted stairs and it's a really muddy day out. Thank you so much. That's a, a considerate offer. Um, but I would ask and I would ask the uh, I would ask the homeowner and I would do my best to, to follow their lead or follow their direction. I know some people like to bring the little cover booties mm-hmm. and, and make life easier if someone is making that request, but taking the boots on and off every time you come and go is really not feasible or, or practical for the kind of work that you're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I was once uh, told that if, if you're a guest in someone's home, so in this situation, I'm, I walk in and uh, they offer me, can I get you a cup of coffee or a glass of water or anything? It's rude to decline, even if you don't want one. Is that the case? Not necessarily. Okay. Um, I, 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 it, it can be a moment to build some goodwill, but you're under no obligation to accept that generosity. Although it, it, it's a nice thought. And I'll tell you, that oftentimes the best etiquette is about reciprocal advice. Mm-hmm. Um, I love giving homeowners the advice to make that offer. I think it's a really nice thing to do. Mm-hmm. And it, it can be a delight when your thermos is mostly empty and someone offers to top it off with some fresh hot coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also say, don't feel bad about accepting. If mm-hmm. you would, if you could use a little sip of water, you would like a, a, a little hot coffee. It's okay to say yes as well. So what is, what's, the offer. <laughs> what is one of the most common questions you're asked? So there's there's a question that comes up in both the business and social sphere, and it can sound like a social question, but it can really impact business. And that's the question of how I talk to a coworker about a, a personal issue or a hygiene issue. Oh, yes. And this is one of those one of those etiquette questions that is really difficult for people. And I mean, it's 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 not specific to any one profession. This is one of the universal situations that I bring to problem solving workshops, no matter what kind of business I'm talking to Mm -hmm. Uh, right up there with time management and how to give critical feedback is the question of how to address a coworker who's got a a personal or a hygiene issue that's affecting work. And the, the answer that I like to give people is Think of the broccoli on the tooth situation. It's <laughs> awkward or embarrassing to point out to someone something that is negatively impacting how people see them and mm-hmm. it's something that we can try to avoid. Most of us would rather hear about something like that from a colleague, a friend, or a coworker rather than from a client, a supervisor, or someone in HR. <laughs> so alerting someone that you're working with or being willing to ask people if something like this is impacting you or the way you're being perceived is a tough piece of etiquette advice to give, but I think it's an important one because it can really impact people's professional success. And usually it's unintentional. Usually someone isn't aware that their coffee breath is so bad that people are stepping back from them or that they've changed their workout routine and they've got a body odor at work now, or it doesn't mean you weren't raised well. It doesn't mean you don't care. Um, Oftentimes it's hard for us to see the small changes that occur in our own um, presentation as they happen over time. And it's, it's, it's one that definitely impacts work. So I was was always told if someone offers you a mint, take it. (laughs) That that is a a, a good piece of advice. So literally, how would you say to somebody, your coffee breath is so bad that people are backing away? 
you're, you're, uh, if we could tuck the shirt in before we go into the house, it would create a different impression, all, all, all kinds of things. Um, whenever you're approaching a potentially difficult or awkward conversation with someone, I think it's a really good tactic to acknowledge it. Um, you know, there's something a little awkward I'd like to talk with you about. Is now a good time? Do you have a minute? W- would you be willing to, to, to have a conversation? You've both prepared them mentally and you've asked permission to have the okay. conversation. And after that, make your good intentions explicit. Don't assume that someone else understands your goodwill and where you're coming from. You know, I'm bringing this up because I care about you. I care about the success of our business and make that explicit and then be willing to be direct. We can want to dance around things. We can want to um, sugarcoat things, but being clear and honest with someone about what it is that you're perceiving or what you've heard someone talk about or mention. Um, is really worthwhile and it gives them the information they need to make a decision mm-hmm. about it. Yeah, fascinating. This, this is fascinating. Yeah, uh, I, I like it. <laughs> and I've gotten a lot of good uh, tips here that I can throw in people's faces now. <laughs> <laughs> that would be bad manners. Oh, is that bad? <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll just stay quiet right, well, over here. For yeah, a yeah. <laughs> I'm still learning. What can yeah. I say? Dan, thanks. Uh, I'm going to ask your permission to move into the lightning round. What do you say? Uh, sounds good. And now, here's a Remodeler's Advantage Lightning Round. It's a trap! All right, we're going to put 60 seconds on the clock. Here we go. What is your favorite business book and why? It's called The Cost of Bad Behavior by Christine's Pearson and Porath. And it summarizes some of the best academic research on the field of civility and business and presents it in a way that anybody can understand. It's a phenomenal book, The Cost of Bad Behavior. If you weren't, I'm going to call you the master of etiquette, what do you think you'd be doing? There's no question I'd be dancing. Really? Yes. (laughs) What are you not very good at? Discipline, getting to the end of my list in a day. Your room, your desk, or your car, which would you clean first? Oh, my room. Name a thing you refuse to share. Oh my goodness, I have three small children. I share everything. (laughs) In one word, describe your high school self. Ambitious. Well, Daniel, this has really been interesting. Now, how do people find out more about the Emily Post Institute? Um, EmilyPost.com is a great place to get started. It's the center of so much of what we do. The Awesome Etiquette Podcast is a place where we have very contemporary discussions about etiquette. Oh, that's great. So now before you, we let you go, and we really appreciate this. It's been a lot of fun. You're a really good guest. Um, I want you to share with our listening audience your five words of wisdom and why they resonate with you. I would say be kind to each other. And it resonates with me because consideration, respect, honesty, they're important. Ultimately, I think caring about other people um, and, and, and really communicating that care with kindness is the heart of good etiquette. I think if people can remember uh, to keep that kindness as an yeah. expectation, what they do, they're going to be in pretty good shape. All right. Great. You were awesome, Daniel. Thank you so much. We greatly appreciate it. It's a pleasure to be here. Take good care. All right. Thanks, Bye. Man. Well, that answered some questions, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I was right about a lot of things. I think. Yeah, but you weren't right about saying to me, no, you got to eat it. I told you you could go ahead. Yeah, well, I think he did say don't get argumentative. Right. Host, so we, right. Uh, you kept, so I, was, I, was, I said, you go ahead and eat. And <laughs> you just said, no, leave me alone. <laughs> and I said, no. 
Yes, there's the argumentative part right there. Yeah. Yeah. That was so anyway, it's it a lot of fun. And to think we had Emily Post's great great grandson on. Yeah. That's kind of cool. It was too. like talking to Emily. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, no, it was very cool. There was some good, really good stuff in yep, there. Yep. Thanks, Addy, for the idea. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> uh, well, that was awesome. We want to thank Dan for sharing these awesome tips about etiquette. And we want to thank you for listening week in and week out. I'm Mark Harari. And I'm Victoria Downing. See you next time. This has been another episode of Power Tips Unscripted, the Remodeler's Guide to Business. Visit www.remodelersadvantage.com to learn more about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program. There you can also find information about our business consulting services, upcoming live events, and much more. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. It's a beautiful day.